0: Hi everyone, it's Fee here with another re-release. This is our last one for a while. We will be back in front of the mics next week, Grace and myself. Really exciting, but this week I thought I'd throw it back to one of our earliest episodes. It's episode three, Track Talk, where we sit down with Eden Zanka and she decodes the topic of tracks for us. She is part of the track crew at Cranbourne Racing Club. So it was great to have her join us on the podcast. Also this week, you might have seen on our socials that we are putting together a syndicate to take a share in a deep field filly. She was purchased from the Classic Sales for $60,000 by Lindsay Park Racing, where she will be trained. And we've been overwhelmed with the interest we've had. We've got quite a big group of ladies coming together to race this horse under the Ladies Who Punt banner. So if you are interested in looking at her information or racing a horse with other listeners of the podcast, in the show notes, you'll find a link to a page that has more information on this lovely filly. So uh, make sure you check that out if you are interested. But for now, enjoy the episode, guys. And we will be back next week with a fresh one for
1: you. (laughs)
2: field is ready.
1: They're racing in the oaks.
0: Welcome to episode three. Today's episode is called Track Talk and we will be looking into tracks and their influence on racing. My name is Fiona Blair and I'm joined once again by Grace Ramage. Hi,
1: Grace. Hi, Fee. Hello to everybody that's tuned back into episode three of Ladies Who Punt. It's been a really good week for us, Fiona. We've been very busy. Yes. Um, We have had the Inglis Melbourne Premier Yealing Sale. It's Yealing Sale season for everyone that's in the horse racing industry and it has been absolutely flat out, hasn't it? It (laughs) has. It's so hectic. You always forget. You always think spring carnival is the busiest
0: time of year. And then you get to the yelling season and you're just like – Mm, spring Carnival, you got nothing on this. Oh,
1: I completely <laughs> agree. You always think post-Christmas and post, you know, the Autumn Racing Carnival, you, that you might be able to just take it easy and just cruise your way through. Not at all. And the yielding Sale season carries on um, to Adelaide is the next destination and back to Sydney for the English Easter yielding Sale. But enough about Yealings because we'll be touching base on that in a future episode coming up on Ladies Who Punch. But we've got very exciting topic we to do. debunk today.
0: Yes, and so excited to share with you all you might have seen on our socials yesterday that we have a special guest and we will be joined today by Eden Zanka, who is best known for her sporting career. However, something that is less well-known about Eden is that she currently works on the tracks at Cranbourne Turf Club. So we are so fortunate for her to be joining us today to answer all of our questions on tracks.
1: It's so exciting to be able to have an expert in this field fee because yes. it's actually really quite confusing. Um, obviously, a lot of people have got, you know, a top level understanding of certain things relating to tracks Um, but I'm pretty sure that not many people would understand really why certain things are happening when it comes to tracks so that's what we'll be putting to Eden shortly.
0: And it's the perfect time to be talking about tracks Grace because we are going into another great race day at Flemington which we'll get to in a moment but the weather Mm -hmm. has been causing havoc so it's great to get this knowledge on tracks before putting on some bits on Saturday.
1: Oh, absolutely. And shout out to anybody that's based in New South Wales or in Queensland that are currently dealing with the floods because it is absolutely terrible Mm. what is happening up there. I mean, down here in Victoria, we haven't really had much rain at all. But I have looking at the forecast there is rain expected on friday and also saturday whether or not it comes or not it's been quite hit and miss you know with the current summer season and the way it's been in terms of the rain but you know the rain can affect what we have at flemington this saturday which is the race meeting we're going to be looking at it's australian guineas day this day in particular australian guineas day we've also got three group races on the program there's another three listed races as well. So it's going to be a fantastic day's racing and plenty of depth on the programme in terms of the quality of horses contesting these races.
0: Grace, when we hear Guineas, what should we be thinking of? It's obviously a very common race name um, so what does a what does that actually mean?
1: So that's a really good question. You might hear certain race names often. There are plenty of cups run. There are plenty of derbies and oaks. Mm. Guineas is the same. Um, and in fact, probably guineas are more prevalent. There are guineas everywhere. You know, every, every country track can run mm. their own guineas if they want to. There's a Mornington guineas coming up, the Bendigo guineas. What a guineas is, is restricted to three-year-olds only. So it's a race for three-year-olds. And it can vary in distance. So, for example, the Bendigo Guineas has run over 1,400 metres, but the Australian Guineas on Saturday at Flemington Group 1 feature race mm. is over a mile. But then you've got the Rose Hill Guineas in Sydney coming up in a couple of weeks' time, and that's over 2,000 metres. So the distance can vary, but it is a traditional, it is a traditional three-year-old race is what a guineas is.
0: Yeah, great. That's so good to understand. And I think there's a whole episode on this sort of topic where we go through race classes and race names and things like that, because once you understand, you hear Australian Guineas, you know three-year-olds over around about a mile. Exactly. So we'll do an episode on this in the future for sure. So what other races are we going to see
1: on Saturday, Grace? So another one of the features is the Blamey Stakes. This is again over 1,600 metres a mile, uh, but for the older horses, and it actually looks like it's going to be a ripping contest because we've got Zaki coming down from Sydney, um, Mr Brightsides in the race, there are a couple of other really nice progressive horses that are all looking To head to the All Star Mile in a fortnight's time, so that's exciting. And also, Fee, what is really interesting and important for this show is that there are nine races on the card. Four of them are to be run down the famous Flemington Straight, which, for those who don't know, um, you know, straight track racing is exclusive to flemington here in victoria there is no other track that has a 1200 meter straight course right and because of that it is a real specialist track obviously we race at flemington often but you know a lot of horses don't have a lot of straight track experience through their career so we'll get to that soon as well and we'll explain why on earth we even have straight track racing in the first place
0: Yeah, that's going to be so interesting.
1: So we'll get into
0: a more in-depth preview of Australian Guineas days later on, but for now, let's get into our interview with our special guest, introducing Eden (gasps) Zanker. Hi, Eden. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you here today. How are you going?
2: Firstly, thank you, Grace and Fiona, for having me. It is a great opportunity to be on here with you guys. Um, Feeling good today. Happy to be here. So um, yeah, no complaints my end.
0: Excellent. Well, tell us first of all, what is your role at Cranbourne Turf Club and what does a typical day look like in your job?
2: So yeah, my official title is just Apprentice Sports Turf Manager at the Cranbourne Turf Club and yeah, just going through my last year now. So um, it's a four-year course, um, Certificate 3. So yeah, that's pretty much yeah, my role at the Cranbourne Turf Club.
0: And what does your typical day look like out at Cranbourne?
2: Well, I guess, as you guys would probably know, it's pretty pretty dependent on the time of year. We're, we're fertilising, we're obviously looking after the grass, we're cutting it, we're watering it and doing a, a lot of maintenance out there. And yeah, depending on the time of year, we could be moving rail each week because we're through that sort of autumn winter sort of season. And then into spring um and then yeah but at the moment we've, we've just sort of completed our reno um so it's pretty cruisy here at the moment which is good um but that's sort of what my day sort of looks like yeah
1: so, Eden, you're 22 years old, and I've interviewed many a track manager throughout my time in racing media, and it is extremely refreshing to hear from you and to see you in this role talking about Verdi draining and track renovations. I want to know, Eden, what uh, it was that got you into wanting to go down the path of turf in the first place.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely very hard to find women in this industry. <laughs> I can agree with you on that point. But yeah, I, I guess. A lot of my backgrounds, I did grow up on a farm and uh, I was dealing with a lot of machinery and, um, you know, doing a lot of similar things that I do on the track here at Cranbourne. So um, it it was pretty easy to transition into this job and I obviously loved what I did back on the farm and to have something to come to work every day and almost have that sense of and feeling of being home, I feel like is really unique and, and, and probably something that,
1: not a lot of people actually get the opportunity to have. And just lastly on that topic and more generally about you and and in this role, um, ideally, where do you sort of see yourself in this position or in this industry, you know, in five, 10 years time? What's the end goal for you?
2: Yeah, I'd obviously like to continue to grow and develop in this industry. Ideally, hopefully one day I'm running a track of my own and, um, you know, that that's probably the the bigger picture. But yeah, on the flip side, <laughs> I'd actually like to sort of become a, an agronomist as well and I feel like a lot of the things that I'm learning at the moment through, yeah, sports turf management and a lot of the things that I've grown up learning um, can transition into that. But, yeah, I think yeah, I'm going to keep my, my future open and, um, you know, who knows where things would go here at Cranberry, and things that it's, it's obviously a massive, it's growing massively Um, and we're getting more trainers and more horses over across the road at the complex, and it just continues to grow. So, like, at the end of the day, I I, I guess hopefully this becomes a a metro sort of um, race course, Um, fingers crossed. But, um, yeah, the future's bright for the Cranbourne Perth Club, so I don't see myself going anywhere too soon, that's for sure.
0: Okay, Eden, you're here to be our expert, so let's get into our first track question, really general one to start with. What are official track ratings and what do they mean? Yep. So the track ratings
2: sort of range from one to 10. but So 10 being a very heavy rain affected track to one being very hard, but we generally don't sort of go into the one or two range. We generally start from, you know, a good three or four and then work our way up from there. So they're, they're pretty much but in basic terms, what our track is. So you've got good three, good four, and then it starts to move into your soft five, soft six, sort of soft heavy seven, eight, heavy nine, heavy ten. So, yeah, obviously good three being, yeah, pretty much perfect for the horse to race on. There's enough cushion there. Um, and then, yeah, I guess as you move further down the the um, the range where it gets to your heavy tens, that's where the track's heavily rain-affected. You know, the, the jockeys might experience, you know, a bit of kickback or probably a lot of kickback if it's a heavy 10 um, and it's probably not ideal to race in. So mm. that's probably the basically what those ratings mean.
0: Yep, that's great. Thank you. And we have a question from one of our listeners, Annabelle. Thank you, Annabelle, for sending this in. She asks, who decides on the grade of the track? Are there expert track raters? Yep.
2: Um, well, I'd like to think of uh, my boss, Benny Sperrings as an expert, but um, pretty much he has a, an instrument called a petrometer. Okay. And he generally goes around to, you know, the 200, the 400 metres, the 600 metres and so on and so forth. And he pretty much just puts the petrometer into the ground and he um, lifts the, the rating instrument up in the air Let's it go he does that three times from three meters out six meters out and then nine meters out from the rail he pretty much gets all of this started together after he's gone to every all of those points around the track gets all the data and then gets the average of all that data and then obviously there's talks with stewards and they obviously go around the track and make sure that that's all fine but the the person that Pretty much, does the track rating is the track manager.
1: Eden, does the length of grass impact what a track might be rated, or does it more impact how a horse, um, you know, strides out when they're galloping across it?
2: It doesn't generally uh, affect the the ratings. If anything, uh, so I guess the way I can explain it during. During the the winter months, we we have our grass at a lower height, generally at 120 mils, Um, and that's because we're not looking for that cushion, like there's enough cushion in the ground already Um, if it's rain affected. Yeah, we we don't need that, that, I guess, layer of grass really. But then if we're looking towards the summer months, um, yeah, we generally have our grass at that 140 range just so um, there's a bit more cushion there for the horses, generally because it's going to be a bit firmer mm-hmm. um, so that the horses probably need that so they're not getting injuries or, or whatnot. So um, that's generally the main, the, the consensus around grass length. Yeah, great. And it generally doesn't, um, yeah, affect the peno reading
1: at all. Okay, so Eden, we've spoken a bit about um, what the different ratings are But Mm -hmm. can you just explain to our listeners how a track surface may change throughout the meeting? So we get upgrades, we get downgrades, explain what both of those are and why they occur.
2: Yeah, I guess as you guys both would know, there is a lot of elements that can affect the surface throughout the meeting. (laughs) Example, winds, rain, you know, the the sun might stay up for a bit more, you know, there's this whole range of things. But um. Yeah, yeah, generally, and perhaps even the size of the fields could uh, have mm-hmm. an effect on the track, on the, the surface as well. But the track surface can change throughout the meeting. You know, if we've got winds, um, you know, that, that generally can dry out the, the, the track a lot more. And then, you know, it might get upgraded from, you know, a, a good four to a good three. And then, you know, the track's getting firmer. And then you're going to, you're having to make decisions off that. And then, I guess, on the flip side of that, you've got, you know, it might start pouring down and we might get 20 mil of rain and then it goes from a soft seven or even a soft five or six to a heavy 10 and then you know obviously the inside rail is going to get chopped up more and um it's going to be a lot more rain affected and soft so there are there's definitely a lot of elements that come into play when you know
0: we're talking about how it can how the surface can change as someone that manages the track when it starts raining, do you start getting very like, oh no, the track it's gonna get ruined.
2: <laughs> uh, we we do start getting a bit nervous, yeah, because uh, because I guess yeah, obviously you don't want your track to get harmed or chopped up because that means a week of raking and filling. But um, you know, I, I guess on. Um, on a ripple effect to that you know it it puts perhaps the jockeys and the horses in a bit more danger particularly if you're going from like a good surface to a rain affected surface like it's going to become slippery and there's going to be kickback and there's going to be all these factors that affect the jockey's visibility um their stability on the horse you know the horse might not be used to that sort of um that that climate Mm. um so not only do we sort of you know worry about our track and um whatnot but we also worry about you know obviously the horses and the jockey safety as well
0: we have another listener question for you now uh from jade thanks jade for sending this in so her question's all about running rail movements why Mm -hmm. do we move the rail and what does that mean
2: yeah amazing thank you jade thanks for the question appreciate it um yeah, pretty much the running rail and why do we move it and what does it mean? It's pretty much just allowing, I guess, I'll give you an example. You know, we might run a race in true, which is the original position of the rail, and then let's say we might have a race a week after. It's pretty much just allowing that ground that has been raced on to freshen up, so we might have it in true, and then we might move it out three metres. It's just allowing those horses to run on even an even track Um, instead of having that chopped up track that they ran on the week beforehand, for example. So it's just, yeah, allowing the recovery of the grass and, yeah, allowing the horses to have an, I guess, race evenly.
1: Now, sometimes the way that a track presents and races on a day, we see and and we're presented with a pattern that emerges. For those who don't know, can you explain to us what the patterns might be? Um, You know, we might hear, oh, the the fence is a place where you don't want to be because of the rain or the fence is the best part of the track. Can you explain that whole world of track patterns, please, Eden? Yeah, no worries. And I guess, yeah,
2: like I I touched on earlier uh, in the podcast, um, it's very, very weather dependent. So, you know, if, if we're running on a good three, and everyone knows what a good three is now because we're, we've touched on this terminology now. Um, but yeah, if we're running on a good three, then generally the rail isn't affected too much and it's pretty, it holds up pretty consistently throughout the whole meeting. Um, but yeah, like, like I sort of said, if we get a, a shower or two throughout the meeting or we've had a week of rain leading up to the meeting, then you know that that rail is going to get chopped up and. The more it gets used the slower it probably gets because the horse is having to actually dig in a bit more and um, push itself a bit more whilst if they sort of you know fan off out into the outer lanes and not so close to the rail um, you know that's fresher ground it's probably going to be a little bit more firmer um, and the horse is generally going to get a bit more speed so uh, depending on if you're looking for speed in the race so I guess, yeah, those those are the sort of patterns that we generally see on a race meeting. And again, yeah, very weather dependent.
1: Well, thank you so much, Eden, for being our expert on all things tracks. I think we've all learned a lot now, and I really hope that we've helped our listeners you know, understand more and we're decoding the topic of track talk, but it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, Honestly, we're so thrilled that we've been able to, you know, learn a little bit more about you and your journey in turf management. And we cannot wait to see what the future holds for you. And fingers crossed, you'll be a track manager someday soon. And yeah, we can't wait to hear more about what you get up to in the future.
2: Amazing. Thank you, everyone, for the questions. And thank you, Grace and Fiona, for having me on the the podcast. I've really enjoyed my time. Thank you.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Wow, Grace. How good was our first guest, Eden Zanka? So interesting what she had to say.
1: Yeah, it was fascinating. And not only that, but um, I just think she's going to be really hard to top as our guest speaker of the year, but... (laughs) We'll just have to wait and see. because we've i have got a few up
0: our sleeve. We've got
1: a couple up our sleeve. No spoilers here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's so great to hear from her. And she, you know, is so passionate about what she does. Mm-hmm. A real um, breath of fresh air in terms of track management and, you know, all, all that we have to learn in that space. In terms of now applying what we've just heard from Eden and the learnings we're taking out of that chat to what we are seeing this Saturday at Flemington. So I've just had a quick look at what we can see um, in the form guides for this saturday at the moment it's currently a good four. however if we take a look at our old friends bomb the bureau of meteorology who are actually not my friend because they get it wrong so many times <laughs> however they have said that there is rain expected on friday and saturday so we're currently on a good four, which is perfect surface but if the rain does fall um, on Friday, and we get a lot of rain. And even on Saturday, once the horses are already racing, they're already marking the track, they're already lifting up the surface and creating divots and rain falls, it can downgrade, as Eden was talking about. We might end up on a slightly rain-affected surface. Um, however, having said that, Flemington is the best draining track in victoria Mm. like the way that the grass is grown and and the soil it just drains water so far so i've got no concerns about how the track will race in terms of the track rating on saturday
0: so that's what we can expect from the surface and the rail let's get into the races we're starting off with race four the 1400 meter francis tricity stakes
1: it's a group three for fillies and mares you like two horses here grace tell us why I do like two horses feet. It's a two bet play, this one for me. Um, And thinking about it in terms of the race shape, I'm going to pick a horse that settles on the speed here in Electric Girl. Uh, She's drawn barrier four. She should be able to settle near the lead. And I'm also going to pick one called Exolita, who's going to be right out the back um she's drawn barrier two. i expect them to be in different positions in the race but it'll give me a good chance of winning on the race Mm. because you've sort of got both bases covered the reason i like electric girl is that she's second up here she came through a race at randwick a group three contest over 1200 meters last start she sat on speed there and she ran a good race i just think 1400 meters is better for her and having that run under her belt she'll be fitter here and I love the barrier. I love that she can settle on the speed. And um, she could be one that's hard to catch. However, the one that'll be trying to swoop and chase her down is Exolita.
0: You like Electric Girl and Exolita here. So one's a front runner and one's a back marker. Now we have a question from Sam, one of our listeners. Thanks, Sam. He has asked whether the size of a track makes a big difference to the horse and their winning chances using Electric Girl as a front runner and Exilita as a back marker.
1: Do you think we can answer his question? Absolutely we can. And for Electric Girl, um, being one that likes to settle on the speed, she can race anywhere. I'd be so confident in her around a shorter track with a shorter straight Mm -hmm. because it's just, you know, it's physically harder for those horses at the back of the field to run her down. So Electric Girl would be really well suited at Cranbourne or Moonee Valley, for example, Whereas Exalita, not so much. So if Exalita drew Barrier 2 at Cranbourne, there is no way in a million years I would be backing her. (laughs) Because that just sounds like an absolute horror show in terms of tight turning track, bunched racing, back marker, gets out all too late, flashes home, gets beaten, two lengths but a moral beaten. So it's just one of those things that, and it's a great question because the the different tracks and the different lengths of the straight and the size of the track has a big impact, especially when you're looking at backmarkers and whether they can actually physically get into the race the way the race sets up. So
0: we like Flemington for Exelita because she's a backmarker. That 450 meter straight is going to give her plenty of time to get out and start sprinting. I think just something that's important to cover as we're talking about tracks, is that Electric Girl who last ran at Randwick, they go the opposite way to us here in Victoria. And I'm wondering if this is her first run in Victoria... And if that can affect a horse's performance, if it's their first up run on what we call the other leg, because horses, when they go around the track, they generally lead with their inside leg that's been on the right leg. And so when they have to go the other way, they have to swap legs. And most horses, like humans, will favour a side. So some horses do really well on the Victorian leg and some horses Don't do very well on the Victorian League. So, has Electric Girl raced in Victoria before? Do we know much about that?
1: Well, Fiona, thanks for putting me on the spot. (laughs) I have just quickly pulled up her form and I cannot see any Victorian race start for Electric Girl. I remember once she was going to race in Victoria and I tipped her. Um, but she must have scratched and stayed in Sydney because she's never run here before. Ooh, a little question mark, And you know what? (laughs) Pete? that might just be a question mark. Sometimes um, there are horses that just do not like racing the Melbourne way of going. Um, And I know Chris Waller's had a couple of Group 1 horses recently that would just come down to Melbourne and just not fire at Mm. all for whatever reason. So, look, it, it is something to factor in. Trained by the Hawks team, they do have a base at Flemington. So right. this mare, she's a five-year-old mare, she might have spent time in Melbourne yes. at Flemington. Yes, that makes sense. But, yeah, we still don't know. So it's something to um, something to watch. And if the jockey comes back after she gets beaten on Saturday and says, yeah, she just hated going Melbourne way, then you were too smart, feet. <laughs> okay so maybe take that into account
0: but as grace said they've got a training base in flemington so she's probably practiced what she's going to play on (laughs) and let's move on to the next race we're going to look at which is race five the 1200 meter english sprint for three-year-olds This is a straight race, what we would call in the old racing terms a straight six, which means it's a straight six furlong race. For those of you who don't know what a furlong is, which used to be me as well, a furlong is 200 metres. So six furlongs, 1,200 metres. Exactly.
1: So the straight six uh, for the three roads here in the English sprint. This is a fascinating race because there are lots of different form lines overlapping here. There are horses that are coming down from Sydney, some from Newcastle, one that's coming down from southern New South Wales. And it's just a tricky one to try and work out where the winner comes from. However, having said that, there is one horse that looks very hard to beat and is almost bordering on best bet of the whole meeting sort of areas. His name is Overpass. He was a last start second in the Southern Cross Stakes in Sydney against the older horses there. He was beaten by a very good horse in Lost and Running who's been doing a great job in Sydney, very progressive. So he finished second to Lost and Running that day. Overpass has had straight track experience before, which is important because as we already touched on, the straight track racing, it doesn't happen every day. Some horses handle it. Some horses just don't really understand why they're being asked to accelerate and they haven't seen a bend yet you know they're still (laughs) running in a straight line um so this horse has had straight track experience he ran sixth in the coolmore stud stakes last spring uh which is the elite three-year-old group one race for the sprinters he clearly brings the best form to this race and i think barrier 13 is fine obviously barriers aren't as relevant to straight racing as they are around a bend because you can sort of just settle wherever you want to down the straight um so yeah i think he's clearly the horse to beat here i will just say one thing if the track is getting quite wet which it may do by this stage sort of bordering on soft six territory i'd be giving sneaky five a strong chance because her wet track form is elite she's a clear wet tracker um she's much better on wet tracks than she is on good tracks so she'd be the one that I'd upgrade the chances of if we were you know in a soft six by this stage just on those wet
0: tracks grace we actually had a question come in from one of our listeners shout out to Tom thank you for sending in your question and he asks whether there are any size whose progeny are particularly successful on a wet track
1: That's a really interesting one because there definitely are and especially when you've got maybe in the winter um, a race for two-year-olds or three-year-olds that don't have haven't had a lot of race starts, so we don't know much about them. You can certainly take a look at their breeding to see you know whether or not they're bred to handle wet tracks. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the stallions that have got really good wet track statistics of their progeny racing in these conditions. Some of the top stallions that produce wet track winners are Zusta, Piero, Schnitzel, So You Think, Lonro, and Not A Single Doubt. And that's not the be all and end all. It's just a statistical sort of a guide that if you've got a horse that's by any of those stallions and you've got a wet track, the chances are they they're going to handle the conditions. Another one for you, Fee, and Mm -hmm. for Tom, is there's an old wives' tale, an old racing um, expression that greys love the wet. If you've got a wet track and a rainy day, you back the grey, and most of the times you're probably wrong, but that's just the way it's (laughs) been for a 100 years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the
0: greys, and is there any other type of horse, grace that we can go off in general that
1: would handle the wet? So another one would potentially be we see a lot of horses racing here from New Zealand that have maybe had a handful of starts or some trials. Then they were sold to Australian Connections, imported, came across to Australia to race. Chances are those Kiwi horses have seen a wet track at some stage through their time and the chances are that they've been bred to handle those conditions. So in race five, we
0: like a horse called Overpass and now we're just going to hit pause on the racing and we're going to go to this week's listener question. Hi guys, really enjoying the show. Thank you. Question for Grace. Having discussed how you pick a winner from the form last week, how does your choice for the pick of the yard compare or differ to your pick of the horses from paper?
1: Very good question. Thank you so much for sending that in. It's a great question because they are totally different in terms of your preparation, your analysis, and ultimately what horse you're going to select as. Your winner. um, If you are looking at horses from the mounting yard as to who might be the winner of the race, you generally won't be looking at form analysis. You'll be specifically looking at how the horse has presented for the race. So you'll be looking at how much muscle definition that you're seeing. Conversely, you'll be looking to see how much extra blub the horse might be carrying around (laughs) his midways, which we've all been there, so no problem with that and you know you're looking at the horse's mental state if they're having a bit of a sweat they might be using too much energy at the moment if they're really relaxed they might even be too relaxed and not focused on the job at hand which is to ping out of the barriers and race there are so many different things that you're looking at for a horse in the mounting yard which is different to form however you can you can become proficient enough in mounting yard analysis and form analysis Mm. to use both together for a great outcome. And you'll find in terms of some of those bigger punters, that's what they do. They'll have done their form, they know their opinion, but they'll wait to see the horse in the mounting yard to see if there are any alarm bells, if the horse is playing up and misbehaving, your confidence lessens. So you can
0: match what the form says to the horse in front of you.
1: Definitely. And
0: I think it's so important to take the horse in front of you into account like it doesn't matter what it says on paper if the horse is not looking like he's up to the job on the day probably he's not
1: oh absolutely and we all have off days so I don't want to give any more away on that topic though because we'll be getting an actual expert in in a couple of weeks time to discuss all things mounting yard analysis so we're looking forward to that
0: let's move on to race six the 1600 meter group two blamey stakes you mentioned at the start of the show that this is quite an exciting race
1: grace it is an exciting race and it's because we've got a couple of proper weight for age group one horses in this contest and they are eyeing off the all-star mile which is a huge race worth crazy prize money in two weeks time the top seed here is a horse by the name of Zaki. He is our $2 favourite for the race, short price favourite, 50% winning chance. But he is dual accepted in the Canterbury Stakes in Sydney as well. Mm. So we don't entirely know where he's going to run. Annabelle Neesham, his trainer, will make that decision in the coming days and he'll be scratched from one of the races and he'll either come to Melbourne or he'll stay in Sydney. But if he does come down to Melbourne, he's first up. He's a three-time Group 1 winner, In his last preparation, he's a wait for age star already. Um, He'll be awfully hard to beat in this race. He likes to bowl along on speed. It is first up 1600 meters. So, you know, fitness. Yeah, fitness might be a query, but he's just got so much class Mm. on a lot of his rivals in this race. So, Zaki, I can understand why he's a short price favorite in the race if he comes and contests it. The other one I want to mention um, next is Inspirational Girl. She was first up for Danny O'Brien in the famous pink and white silks of Bob Peters who's a huge owner breeder in Perth but she raced at Caulfield first up C4 stakes at group one level over 1400 meters and it was a great run it indicated that she's come back in fantastic order this campaign she finished second there and You take a look at her second up record in her form. She's undefeated second up. Mm. She's just a really good horse that's come back well. I think barrier seven is good for her. She'll settle midfield somewhere. And it would not surprise me at all to see her right in the finish here. Lots of ticks there. Lots of ticks for those two. Now we get to another form line in this race, which was the Elms Handicap over 1,400 metres at Flemington a couple of weeks ago. A lot of horses come through that race, which was won by Corner Pocket, who now goes up to 1,600 metres. He's going well. He's won, I think, eight races in a row. He's very hard to knock. If you listened to the podcast a few weeks ago, I was very against him this day. (laughs) I just thought he couldn't win. Turns out he could, and he did. So egg on my face. Look, he might win again, but Mr. Brightside was in the same race and he was held up in the straight and he absolutely flew home. He sprouted wings, outstanding last furlong. I think Mr. Brightside second up out to a mile is a very, very good sign for that horse. And I just think that Mr. Brightside will probably beat Home Corner Pocket. Well, let's see if I get it right this time. But look, in terms of the race, I think those three, it's hard to split them. And at the price where you've got a $2 favourite in Zaki, a $4.60 second favourite in Mr. Brightside and $4.80 third favourite in Inspirational Girl. There's just not a lot of value for me. Any of those three can win and it wouldn't surprise. So it's a no bet race for me.
0: So a no-bet race there, and then we're going to move straight along to the group one of the day, the Australian Guinea, 1,600 metres for the three-year-olds. This is the feature race of the day.
1: Who are you liking, Grace? Yeah, I'm just not too sure about this one, Fee. Um, It's a great race. It is each and every year, but it can be tricky to try and work out who the winner is because if there's no standout – If there's no horse that's been beating his rivals every start, then you sort of just don't know who's going to turn up now, out to 1600 metres, who's the best horse in the race? Well, there are two horses that are resuming here, which is a little bit strange.
0: Again, first up over 1,600 metres. First up
1: over 1,600 metres, and they are the two Group 1 winners in the race. Oh. So you've got the class horses in Hitotsu, who's the VRC derby winner from last spring, and Profondo, who is an impeccably bred horse, son of Deep Impact, and he was the winner of the Group 1 Spring Champion Stakes in Sydney last spring, you've got those two horses both first up at 1,600 metres. They are the class, but how fit are they? How Mm. ready to go are they? How, you know, is this their target race or are they eyeing something later in the autumn in Sydney? For me, what's more important is to ask, okay, well, where is the intent? Is this horse here for a target race or is this horse here for a first up run to get fitter for maybe a second up crack at the Rose Hill Guineas and then the ATC Derby third up. So is this this horse's real distance? Yeah and is this horse peaking in terms of fitness and and skin and feeling so great about himself because they're all things that trainers look for in terms of managing a preparation. You'll have a target group one race with a good horse and you'll get them there at their absolute best. Hitotsu and Profondo can win this race on class and sheer ability alone, but I doubt it's their target for either of them. Whereas you've got those horses that have been racing against each other here in Melbourne, uh, which is Pinstriped, who won the CS Hayes and beat a lot of his rivals last start. It was a great win. He's won two races in a row now. He can definitely run a great race again. Forgot You's probably the one that I like out of that form race um because i think that this is a horse that will love 1600 meters and he was in the csa's last start and he just absolutely rocketed his last furlong again so for me mile forgot you is a tick but it's a really tricky race Hitotsu and profondo they just might be too good for me though i'd be happy to have something small on forgot you
0: so now that we've covered the Australian Guineas, that wraps up our preview of the race day at Flemington this Saturday. Wow, another jam-packed episode, Grace. We've covered so much on tracks today, and we just want to say another massive thank you to Eden for joining us. If you were keen to follow her journey, you can look her up on socials at Eden Zanker.
1: Looking ahead to next week's episode fee, it is Super Saturday once again at Flemington. We've got the two Group 1 races, the New Market Handicap down the straight and the Australian Cup over two thousand meters so it's a massive day's racing and on Ladies Who Punt leading up to that we will be covering everything about gear and gear changes which there is so much to understand there are so many different things that can change in terms of the tack or the gear that you apply to a horse on a race day so we will be doing our best effort to decode all things gear related.
0: I can't wait for that Grace that's going to be such an interesting episode because gear changes can really influence how you punt and it's going to be really interesting to understand what we should be taking into account. Thank you to everyone who has been sharing the podcast and leaving us a review. We love making this content for you all and couldn't do it without your support.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Fee. And if you do have a question you would like answered on the podcast, please send us a voice note or or direct message us on social media. Um, and if you aren't already following us, you can find us at Ladies Who Punt.
0: Until next week, guys, thank you so much for tuning in as ever. And we will catch you after Australia Guineas Day. Good luck on Saturday. And let's hope we see some fantastic runs.
1: Can't wait for Saturday. Can't wait for next week. We'll speak to you all later on Ladies Who Punt.